The World Health Organization warning tough times are ahead for China. Beijing now U-turning on its zero COVID-19 policy. Funeral homes in Beijing struggling to meet increased demand for cremations. Video showing long queues of hearses waiting to store dead bodies. Lawmakers introducing a new bill in Washington. The goal, squeezing Huawei out of U.S. financial systems. The Biden administration sending African leaders a message during a summit. America is a better partner for Africa than China. And a Chinese billionaire wanted in the United States. We look at why the state of California wants to extradite him from the U.K. Welcome to China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. China's strict zero COVID-19 policy may be rolling back, but chaos has taken its place instead. In Beijing, relief over the widespread reopening has quickly turned to fear. Residents are staying home, many shops are closed, and streets remain empty. Only the drugstores are busy, with customers flocking to bulk buy flu medicines. Just a few weeks ago, the country's officials still praised the zero-COVID policy as scientific and bound to, quote, pass the test of history. With draconian measures like locking down an entire community for just one infection. Now, suddenly, they're saying COVID-19 isn't a big deal. But is the country really ready for the sudden U-turn? In cities across China, confusion reigns without a coherent plan for a safe COVID-19 exit. For example, state computer systems are overwhelmed, and staff reached through COVID-19 information hotlines say they are not sure how the new policy will work. And there's also confusion at the local levels, as cities can now administer their own virus control rules. On top of the changes, experts say the country is not ready to reopen yet. That's due to several factors, low vaccination rates, low efficacy of homegrown vaccines, and not enough healthcare capacity. Now, everyone in China is bracing for a so-called exit wave. That's referring to a surge in cases, like the one that swept across Hong Kong back in March, when it suddenly relaxed restrictions. The World Health Organization is warning of very tough times ahead for China, as the country of 1.4 billion dismantled its tough zero COVID-19 controls amid a virus surge. Let's take a closer look. The global health body said on Tuesday, China's population lacks herd immunity and has low vaccination rates for the elderly, which may lead to a hefty price being paid for the country's rapid U-turn on virus controls. The WHO previously criticized China's zero COVID for being unsustainable. In Beijing on Wednesday, pharmacies were crowded with people buying flu medication, test kits, things which could help them fight COVID at home. And an online health platform began selling Pfizer's oral antiviral Paxlovid for the first time in mainland China. The medication sold out in just over half an hour after its listing was reported. There are worrying signs that a wave of infections are building, even though official tallies of new cases have dropped in recent weeks. China's National Health Commission said on Wednesday it would stop counting asymptomatic virus cases into its nationwide tally. It explained, since authorities reduced testing, it's now hard to get an accurate snapshot of the situation on the ground.
It was a busy day at Beijing's fever clinic on Wednesday. Multiple patients needed both IV drips and oxygen tanks. That's as daily virus cases hit record highs in China after an easing of virus curbs. More than 14,000 fever clinics have been opened in hospitals above level 2 nationwide, and more than 33,000 fever clinics have been set up in community hospitals. Hospitals in the country have also reportedly been struggling with staffing problems, while inquiries to health hotlines have increased sixfold. Funeral homes are very busy operating around the clock in Beijing. The Chinese capital has seen a virus surge in COVID cases as the country reopens. A video online shows hearses lining up for miles at a funeral parlor there. Staff at the funeral parlor told Radio Free Asia on Wednesday that they've been operating with several days of backlog, saying they are very busy, quote, with a lot of cremations happening every day. Now, the amount of cremation has exploded. You need to wait several days. The appointment could be any date. The employee told NTD on Wednesday that they currently have too many customers and that customers are already fortunate enough if they can manage to book a cremation so farewell services are no longer provided. What's more, a hospital in Beijing complained in a social media post about a lack of cold storage for bodies. The post claims funeral homes in the city are suffering from a serious shortage of staff due to a virus surge among them, and that on top of the city's recent increase in death rates, cremations are now being scheduled for five to seven days' time. A Chinese internet user also spoke out online, saying her father passed away at home in Beijing, but she couldn't get any funeral homes in the city to store his body. Earlier this week, the city launched an official directive, writing medical institutions must contact the funeral home within two hours after death to arrange cremation, and no farewell services would be held. New moves on Capitol Hill. Lawmakers in Washington are introducing a bill aiming to freeze China's Huawei and other 5G companies out of America's financial system. In July, a CNN report said the FBI found Huawei gear inside cell towers near several U.S. military bases. The report said the gear is capable of disrupting Defense Department communications, including those used by the force in charge of America's nuclear weapons. The report cited anonymous sources. Back to the bipartisan bill, it's being introduced by Republican Senator Tom Cotton and Rick Scott, plus Democrat Senators Chris Van Hollen and Chuck Schumer. If passed, the bill would put Huawei and other Chinese 5G companies on a blacklist. That status would restrict them from accessing U.S. banks. Reacting to the news, China's foreign ministry said that it would firmly safeguard the rights of Chinese companies. Washington has long argued that Huawei is a Trojan horse for Chinese intelligence. And last month, America's telecommunications watchdog, the FCC, banned Huawei and fellow telecom company ZTE from selling equipment in the U.S. The FCC said these companies pose risks to national security. 
Africa summit in the U.S. It's not only about the continent itself, but also about a fight behind the scenes. Here's more. Education and health. Climate change. Invest in democracy, education and health, climate change. A wide range of subjects are on the table as U.S. President Biden speaks to African leaders in Washington on Wednesday. Expect to hear about support for democracy, economic development, and new financial commitments for a region that has in recent years taken a back seat to other U.S. priorities. But there will be another underlying message, arguing that the United States is a better partner for Africa than China. That was underscored by U.S. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin on Tuesday. He said China is expanding its footprint in Africa on a daily basis, including its economic influence, adding that the problem is Beijing isn't always transparent. He says that will destabilize the situation in Africa. China's economic influence in Africa is undeniable. According to a Eurasia Group analysis, in 2021, China-Africa trade at $254 billion greatly outpaced U.S.-Africa trade, which stood at $64.3 billion. The West has accused China of further weighing down African countries in debt, something China's foreign minister Wang Wenbin denied. On Tuesday, he said China's interests in Africa are based on sincerity and righteousness. Delegations from 49 countries and the African Union, including 45 African leaders, are attending the three-day U.S.-Africa Leaders Summit. It's the first of its kind since 2014. U.S. officials have been reluctant to frame the gathering as a battle for influence. Washington has toned down its criticism of Beijing's lending practices and infrastructure projects amid calls from some African leaders for more U.S. leadership. And there are crucial issues at stake, such as food security and climate change. Among the leaders present is Felix Tshisekedi, president of the Democratic Republic of Congo. The country's capital is currently struggling with deadly floods and landslides caused by heavy rains. On Tuesday, he said climate issues have caused hundreds of deaths and enormous materials damages that could have been avoided if polluting countries had honored their commitments. A new development in the case of a former U.S. Marine pilot. Australian authorities arrested him back in October at America's request. Even after he was in custody, U.S. authorities did not offer further details about his charges. Now, an indictment unsealed by a U.S. court shows former U.S. Marine pilot Daniel Dugan was accused of breaking a U.S. arms control law. He allegedly trained Chinese military pilots to land on aircraft carriers between 2010 and 2012. Dugan is now waiting for an extradition request by the United States. He denied breaching any law. The same time Dugan was arrested in Australia, Britain announced it would take action against its former military pilots that worked to train Chinese military flyers. A Chinese billionaire is wanted in the U.S. He's accused of bribing public officials in San Francisco. Zhang Li is a co-chair of Chinese developer RNF. The Northern District of California issued a warrant for his arrest saying he provided banquet and hotel accommodation to the former San Francisco Public Affairs chief when he was visiting China between 2015 and 2020. Zhang was aiming to obtain permits for a construction project. Zhang has been arrested in the UK and is now facing extradition to the United States. Another billionaire Chinese real estate developer was also found guilty last month of bribing a Los Angeles official back in 2010. His company was found guilty of paying out more than a million dollars in bribes. 
The money went to former Los Angeles City Councilman Jose Huizar to obtain city approval to build a 77-story skyscraper. Moving over to Hong Kong, an official there wants Google to change a search result. Hong Kong's chief executive John Lee says he will push Google to display China's national anthem as the top search result for the city's anthem. Google reacts. Here's more. The city's security chief Chris Tang said Google had rebuffed their demands. Lee's comments followed several big sporting events where the pro-democracy protest song Glory to Hong Kong was played instead of the Chinese national anthem. Glory to Hong Kong became popular during months of anti-government protests in 2019. The song has essentially been banned as authorities crack down on political dissent. The popular protest slogan Liberate Hong Kong Revolution of Our Times also lyrics featured in Glory to Hong Kong. Authorities have said that the words are, quote, separatist and subversive. This might need some explanation. Due to the one-country-two-system policy in China, Hong Kong is considered separate from mainland China, including in international sport events. Hong Kong athletes are competing under the name Hong Kong. When one of them wins a gold medal, the Chinese anthem should be played. But in a sport event recently in Korea, event staff searched in Google for Hong Kong anthem and took the one on the top of the list, the protest song Glory to Hong Kong. Also on Wikipedia, this song can be seen under National Anthem of Hong Kong. Coming up. If there's one Feng Wong practitioner saying he was medically examined, you can say it's an anecdote. But if there are hundreds and thousands of Feng Wong practitioners over 20 years who keep repeating this and similar experiences, then it's, the anecdote is not an anecdote anymore. It becomes an evidence. American Thought Leaders host Yania Kellogg spoke to Dr. Torsten Trey, co-founder and executive director of the nonprofit Doctors Against Forced Organ Harvesting, to find out more. More on that after the break here on China in Focus. Welcome back to China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. Sixteen years ago, the first whistleblower emerged from China with a story few could believe. The Chinese communist regime was killing Falun Gong practitioners for their organs. What evidence is there of forced organ harvesting in China, and is it still happening today? American Thought Leaders host Yania Kellick spoke to Dr. Torsten Trey, co-founder and executive director of the nonprofit Doctors Against Forced Organ Harvesting, to find out more. Dr. Trey, this has been a long time coming. I remember back in 2006 when I first realized that this murder for organs industry in China was real and I started reporting on it. There was a small nonprofit that began in the same year called Doctors Against Forced Organ Harvesting. And you were one of the co-founders. Um, and we've interacted in various ways over the years. Before we go any further, just lay it out for me. What is this, what you call forced organ harvesting? Yeah, forced organ harvesting is, is a practice that actually in, in 2006, nobody actually would think it could happen. We created this name. It was our NGO that came up with this term. It is the forceful 
uh, extraction of organs used for transplantation. The typical way of giving a consent before you uh, donate an organ, that has been bypassed. People are actually killed. Living people are killed for their organs. And um, I think it's fair to say that uh, it only happens in China because in a, in a large scale it can only occur when the state is kind of promoting this, this crime. And it has reached industrial level. This is arguably the, the biggest violation of medical ethics in history. So why don't you give me a broad picture of the kind of lines of evidence that exist? And this has developed substantially since 2006. Um, that, that document the reality of this? This uh, question of uh, evidence, you know, what evidence you have, this question comes up very often. If you want to get a uh, short summary of this, there's evidence related to the transplant numbers, evidence related to the uh, organ source, where the organs come from, how they are donated, and then uh, witnesses coming forth. So. Over the time, we followed the numbers of transplants, and the, the transplant numbers in China are just out of proportion. If you follow the course of uh, transplant, annual transplant numbers and compare it with other countries, then you see in China, th this is almost like a roller coaster. It's go it goes up, it goes down, it stays on a level for 10 years, it goes up again. You do not find this type of development in other countries that are based on ethical organ donation. In other countries, you find like a steady, gradual increase of organ donors, and then also transplants. But in, in China, the, this seems to be decoupled. Just recently, in 2020, you see this example that a doctor team wanted to perform a, a double lung transplant on a COVID patient. And then just within one day, they said they, they got the matching lung and performed the transplant. This is unthinkable in a, in a Western uh, transplant um, um, environment. So the, it seems like organs are coming for, from on demand to facilitate transplants on demand. So the wait time in, in China is usually just considered between two days and 14 days. Um, it's very typical. There was um, a, tra uh, um, a camera team from uh, Korea southern Korea that went with a hidden camera to uh, one of these hospitals and they filmed a, a nurse that, who was accommodating patients from Korea and the nurse was saying yeah usually it takes two weeks uh, to get a kidney but if you pay uh, $10,000 extra you can get it within two days and this is unheard of that just because of uh, an extra money you pay for an extra fee, you can accelerate the wait time and accelerate it to two days. So nothing in terms of transplantation numbers is kind of uh, re reflecting anything that you see in, in all other countries in the world. So th this is one part, the transplant numbers, uh, the wait times, um, but then also the donor numbers. Um, we monitored a website where the numbers of organ donations were uh, displayed. And we monitored this for 18 months, over 18 months. What we saw is that there was a gradual, very slow increase of uh, registered organ donors. 
And then all of a sudden, on, at the end of 2015, within one day, it increased by 25,000, exactly 25,000, which is unheard of. It seems to me to be like an artificial number where uh, it said, oh, we, we just add to exactly 25,000, ending with three zeros. Yeah, these are registered org donors are real persons. So just the, the, the fact that all of a sudden there are exactly 1,000 uh, registered donors is, is unheard of. And we, we saw this again in the following year when 88,000 uh, people were added to the so-called registered um, uh, organ donor pool. There were no, no real organ donors, but the numbers were following a, a mathematical equation. Yeah, a quadratic equation. I yeah. remember reading that paper, yeah. like a perfect quadratic yeah. equation. Yeah, yeah. So, at, and then the, the, with this discrepancy between um, these large tons of numbers and the, the lack of organ donors, um, then the question is, where, where do those organs come from? And uh, th this is where the witnesses. So I, I talked with uh, Falun Gong practitioners who said they were detained uh, for two years and they were blast, blood tested for 10 times. Uh, David Matters interviewed a, a prisoner who was not a Falun Gong practitioner. He said he was not blood tested, but he saw that Falun Gong practitioners are blood tested. So uh, if you hear one witness talking, uh, one Falun Gong practitioner saying he was uh, subject to forced medical exams while in detention, while being subject to torture, which itself is already implausible. If there's one Falun Gong practitioner saying he was medically examined, you can say it's an anecdote. But if there are hundreds and thousands of uh, Falun Gong practitioners over 20 years who keep repeating this and similar experiences, who, who said that I was threatened, the, the policeman said, if I don't follow this, they will take my organs. If you hear th this many uh, witness reports, then it's, the anecdote is not an anecdote anymore, it becomes an evidence. So if you take all of this together, then you have an overwhelming uh, set of circumstantial evidence. To watch the full interview with Dr. Torsten Trey, co-founder of the nonprofit Doctors Against Forced Organ Harvesting, please check out the American Thought Leaders program on APOC TV or click the link down below if you're watching online. That's all for today's China In Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. If you have any feedback on the show or have something you'd like to see us cover, send us an email at chinainfocus at ntd.com. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for watching. See you tomorrow.